Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Just the Truth. Today is Good Friday. This is historically the weekend of Easter. And Easter celebration is so meaningful for Christians. This is the opportunity where we get to celebrate the truth of the historical event of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so uh, joining me now to discuss why this is so important, not just for the individual Christian, but also for the truth of the foundation of the rest of what we do in culture is my good friend, Ryan Helfenbein, who is the executive director of the Standing for Freedom Center at Liberty University, and also holds his Master of Divinity from uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Center. So Ryan, thanks so much for joining me on Good Friday. Hey, Jenna, it's great to be on with you. Yeah, so my first question, of course, is, you know, as we're celebrating Good Friday, as we're celebrating uh, the life, death, and resurrection, which, of course, you know, so many people focus on the cross, which, of course, is important, but it's actually the resurrection that matters mm. to the overall narrative. That's the hope. That is the truth. And uh, talk to me about the historicity of this event and why the truth of this event matters uh, to the Christian life and to us individually. Yeah, that's great. You know, first of all, we always have to ask the obvious question, why in the world do we call the day on which immense suffering uh, and judgment came at the cross at Calvary, where, where Jesus experienced the scourge of man and God at that singular event, why do we call that good and why do we call it Good Friday? The only reason we can call it that is because of the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he didn't just mean that metaphorically, he came out of an, of an uh, empty tomb, and, and there were hundreds of witnesses that saw his resurrection, that testified to these events, and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is literally the good news of salvation to all mankind by both repentance and faith and trust in him. And so when we think about the historical event of the resurrection, it really did happen. It was not just a metaphorical event. It was not just some kind of uh, an illusory uh, thing that uh, sounds really nice that we, we speak to in our, in our sermons, but it actually did happen. And there is more evidence uh, that proves that Jesus Christ lived and he was here on this earth and that he rose from the grave than there is that Julius Caesar existed. And so our hope as Christians is built upon that. We have, it's a twofold thing. Jesus Christ came into the world. He was, the word became flesh as the scriptures teach, dwelt among us. His name is Emmanuel, that is God with us. And that also that Jesus came from the grave. Yeah, and that's an amazing, wonderful, hopeful truth that we have and that we celebrate as Christians. We celebrate every day as we pursue righteousness, as we pursue uh, to, to live our lives uh, better and according to the truth of Scripture. And, um, you know, Ryan, as, as we look at 
the person of Jesus Christ. It's so important to understand uh, who Jesus is and in his divinity, because there is uh, that false understanding that, well, he was just a good teacher. Um, he was just someone that existed as maybe a prophet, like some other religions teach. Uh, but talk to us about the truth of who Jesus is. Yeah, so I go back to great uh, apologist, writer, thinker uh, like C.S. Lewis and Francis Schaeffer and so many others. Uh, Jesus Christ is Lord. He and, and the only way we can claim that he is Lord is he had to be true to every claim that he made. If, if, if uh, Jesus was just uh, a good teacher, it actually would have made him a liar. He claimed to be God's uh, son. And so there is absolutely no way that he was simply a moral teacher. He claimed to be divine, the, the true Son of God. He and the Father are one. Uh, before Abraham, the Father was, as he said to the religious teachers, I am. And so when we think about the person of Christ, his divinity is absolutely essential to all the other Christian truth claims. Not only the resurrection, but the fact that Jesus Christ is truly God. And so uh, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God, as it says at the beginning of John's Gospel. And so we're reminded every Easter season at this time of year, and by the way, Easter is not just, uh, just on the calendar as one Sunday that we celebrate, but we celebrate the fact that this resurrection is real every single day. It's what gives life meaning, hope, purpose, intentionality. Uh, it's, it's our security as Christian believers, and, and we can have that hope because we know the tomb is empty. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. His divinity and His person absolutely matter. Yeah, and uh, you know, you mentioned something to me, Ryan, um, a, a week or so ago when we were talking um, about this particular show, and you said something about freedom. And you know, in in America and as Americans, uh, when we look at the context of culture around us and we're championing these ideas of freedom and liberty, um, there is no freedom for the individual mm. or for society at all without the resurrection. Um, why is that phrase important to you? Yeah, so the, the idea, the very idea of freedom uh, does not really come from man, but ultimately from God. And the first thing that we have to recognize is spiritual freedom. And that is that we as people have been born into the bondage of sin and of death. And Jesus, when he came, he came to break that curse of sin and death. And so it is first and foremost, there was a physical reality. He rose from the, the grave. The, the Christian promise of Scripture is that one day we too will be raised from that grave. The, the spiritual reality is that right now we can be freed from sin, our sin, by putting our faith and trust in Jesus yes. Christ. And we're going to talk more about freedom and the truth of the resurrection when we come right back with Ryan Helfenbein, Executive Director of the Standing for Freedom Center at Liberty University, here on Just the Truth. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Continuing this Good Friday conversation with Ryan Helfenbein, the executive director of the Standing for Freedom Center at Liberty University. And Ryan, we're talking about the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ as a historical event that we're celebrating this weekend as Christians. And uh, right before the break, you were talking about why this truth and acceptance of this historical event matters to every individual. This isn't just a Christian celebration. This is a truth-based, fact-based, historical event-based celebration. Yes, absolutely. So when we talk about the resurrection, it has implications on every single facet of life. And it starts with personal salvation of an individual. But then the benefits uh, are extensive, uh, broad, sweeping. It, it affects all of creation, all of God's creation. Uh, institutions of man, uh, when you think about the first free institution on the face of the planet, uh, it's actually the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, was the first to, to receive that benefit. And then moving forward, it had huge, broad, sweeping cultural transformations uh, that took place throughout history. So when you think about it, even at the inception, the very beginning of Christianity uh, in the first century, uh, when the apostles went forth, began to proclaim the gospel, uh, and were willing to die for their faith, it led to a cultural transformation in the Roman Empire. 400 years later, guess what? Rome fell. There was no longer a Roman government, but there still was the church. And then marching forward, there was a Christian Europe, a, a cultural transformation that took place where after a thousand years of cultural transformation uh, due to the gospel and uh, the proliferation of the good news, uh, you started to see societal change, laws, and everything else uh, where there was actually freedom uh, free governments did not exist, and I think anywhere where you see religious liberty promoted, freedom promoted, you see a Christian tradition that is behind all of that, and that's important too. None of that would be possible, Jenna, without the resurrection. Absolutely, and when we say that we are a Judeo-Christian society, uh, not only were those influences, uh, all of those things that our founders understood from history with that Christian tradition, uh, part of the founding of our nation, but also the principles and the recognition of truth. And we talk about that a lot on the show, about recognizing truth and how our founders recognized the truth that we are all mm. made in the image of God. And as such, uh, we have unalienable rights that are given to us by God. And so that goes back to, of course, the grand narrative uh, that we call it in, in scripture, the entire counsel of God. And, you know, Ryan, um, you and I have a, a lot of conversations all the time. And I love our conversations because, you know, you went to, uh, to seminary, um, you are a theologian, I would say, and, you know, you're someone who has contemplated in studies um, a lot of these, these truths from scripture. And I think for the average Christian, um, the idea idea of, well, you know, yeah, I believe in God. Um, you know, maybe I go to church sometimes, but um, they don't really dig into the word of God. And so why is this entire, uh, the entire counsel of God so important from the beginning to then get us to the point of why the crucifixion and the resurrection were not only necessary, but part of this greater uh, story or his story? 
Yeah, great question. You know, I go back to there's a there's an encounter where uh, Peter is with Jesus, and Jesus turns to him. And this is in Matthew chapter 16, and this is that famous passage many of us throughout Christendom quote. He says, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. But he begins with this question to Peter, and he says, who do you say that I am? How he answers that question is so important, not only for Peter as an individual, but for really all of us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responds, and he says, blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That is a drop-the-mic moment where Jesus basically says, this is all of God. This truth you did not invent, you did not come up with, but ultimately you got this from a higher source. Our entire foundation for knowing truth, for understanding truth, for proclaiming the truth, is that we first have to recognize that, that the authority comes from God. When, when, God when, we, when we put our hand to the Bible and we make an oath, right? We say things like, so help me God, when you think about the, the oath of office that people take. We swear by a higher authority. When God uh, swears, he swears by his own name. The scriptures are so critical to understanding not only ourselves, but who God is. And it's important to understand, too, that the scriptures come from God. So the, the most important words in all of the Bible might be in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. Uh, and so when, when to your question about uh, the confidence that, that people draw from that, um, when we look at the culture uh, at large, so much of our culture today is emotive, it is feelings-based, uh, uh, it's far too reflexive, there is no authority. And I think that's one of the things that is missing uh, today. There is a certainty when we can speak of things with an absolute certainty, rock-solid truth, this is unbending, uncompromising, this is, thus saith the Lord. And I think today, in 2021, more than anything, I think people are looking for hope and certainty, and that can only come from God himself. That's why the Word of God is so important for understanding truth, for knowing truth, and for proclaiming the truth. That is so well said. And that type of confidence is why, you know, as First Peter 3 says, we can give an answer for the hope that lies within us. And, uh, you know, as I've, I've progressed in my own personal, uh, what we would call, you know, sanctification, meaning that I'm learning uh, more of the truth of God, that I'm being um, continually refined as a Christian um, to understand and to live um, according to the righteousness of God, because truth is defined as God himself. So anything that is not of God is is false, is evil. And God himself is the one who created everything. And what we have the answers to explain that creation, the reality um, of the universe as it's presented. I mean, everyone has to have the answers to life's most basic questions. Who are we? Where did we come from? Where are we going? Uh, why is the world like it is? We see you know, things that have happened um, recently, like some of the mass shootings. We see the incredible tragedies that happen, the problem of evil. I mean, these are questions that get to 
to the heart of people's lives. And if we don't have any better answer, Ryan, than just, well, this is what I think or what I feel, then that leads to hopelessness and depression because we don't have confidence in anything greater than ourselves or maybe our collective judgment. I mean, do we really want to put um, the answers to to life in the hands of Congress and you know and and the collective judgment that they might have well no we have to have a solid authority and this is something that um, that I think is so important for people and individuals to recognize is that Christianity isn't just about celebrating you know Christmas and Easter and going and singing songs on Sunday and you know having these types of stories uh, these Bible stories this is about having rational reasoned confident faith in the answers to life's most basic questions. And that's what the Bible teaches completely is those answers and also the truth of what we see in reality. And so, you know, as we move forward for someone who's maybe watching this program and they're expecting, you know, just the, the political commentary and they're saying, wow, I need to ask myself, what, what is the truth? What is my view of the world? How do I answer those questions? Uh, where do they go just as a starting place for this? Yeah, I think when you think about the crises that, that face most people today, the number one question that people ask and that is on their mind is, is there any hope? And there absolutely is. You can, you can have hope instantly. You can have confidence instantly, certainty. You can know that you are forgiven of those sins, people being weighed down by guilt. Uh, it might not be just one thing, but a lifetime, just a multitude of things that are wrong. Uh, habits, lifestyles, uh, ways that they have treated others or have been mistreated by others. There is confidence and there is hope, and that is what Easter is really all about. When you think about the mental health crisis that is facing this nation, that has come from this uh, these lockdowns uh, and this isolation, whether it be school-aged kids, whether it be the elderly that are locked up um, in, in uh, care facilities, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, there is hope, and that's the commonality. Uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ does speak to that. It is about, first and foremost, turning away from your sin, repenting of that sin and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness. And that, that is something that you can go to bed at night knowing that you are forgiven, that you are saved, that you can uh, spend eternity with God. So I think about this, Jenna, just real fast. Um, the gospel, just you know, the Bible breaks it down in simple terms that uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Uh, so we can, we can do that by simply asking God to forgive us uh, to come into our life, to change us, to shape our heart, to renew our heart and to renew our mind, uh, to put off uh, the sins of yesterday and to hold fast confidently uh, to the forgiveness that is ours and available through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And that is Good Friday.
That is why we do call this Friday good because that is uh, the conclusion and the consummation of the hope that was promised in the beginning and in the beginning God. And uh, so we're gonna be right back on Just the Truth with more with Ryan Helfenbein to talk about the Christian worldview and how we answer life's most basic questions. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back to Just the Truth here on Good Friday, and we're talking about why Good Friday is really good and is about at the start of the celebration of Easter about the truth of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And uh, Ryan Helfenbein, who's the executive director of the Standing for Freedom Center at Liberty University, uh, is my guest. And Ryan, as we're talking about uh, freedom and, and the hope that Jesus gives us uh, when we accept that personal free gift of salvation, then we can talk about genuine and freedom and liberty. And when we understand the, the just the paradigm shift that we have when we understand that truth, then that is the foundation of everything else. And so as, as you're at the Standing for Freedom Center and you know, I love um, everything that the Freedom Center is doing at Liberty University. Uh, this is the heart of what matters, of why uh, we are building the Christian worldview foundation. Uh, we're building up the cultural issues. We're participating in politics, in you know, responding to all of these questions that come up in our culture from a biblical worldview. And so, when we have that framework, when we understand that truth then uh, talk to me about why it's so important to build on that truth and then participate as Christians and influence culture. Yeah, so, you know, the connection oftentimes, Jenna, is that what does personal salvation have anything to do with the public square? What, what in the world, what do these two things have anything to do with one another? And it's important to recognize that what God had intended uh, in bringing about salvation was not just about us as individuals, but as communities. So he established the church. Uh, when Jesus said, um, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, what he was talking about is bringing a, a visible representation of his rule and reign. And that, that was the church. The first free institution on the face of the planet was the church. Freedom started with the resurrection, ultimately, and then God uh, established a free institution. And those were people who were saved uh, from their sins by grace. And then ultimately, as that marches along, God has a project for restoring uh, all of all of humanity and all of creation, actually, uh, not just restored, but ultimately a new creation. And so it shapes uh, our very lives and the institutions that we're involved in. And so as Christians, we recognize we have a cultural mandate. It goes along with the gospel of making disciples, a gospel call to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And so we know that we as the church have that, that mandate. As Christians, many people who are listening to this, uh, Jenna, uh, are not uh, pastors of a local church. Uh, and that's a praise God thing that they're not all pastors. Uh, God has called us to various vocations to fulfill those things, whether it be in business or politics. And we have to recognize that there is a purpose uh, in all of that. And so there is a general call uh, to a cultural renewal. And so uh, when you go back to uh, the example of Jeremiah chapter 29 in the Old Testament, uh, these were Israelites living in Babylon. What does Babylon have to do with Israel? Well, everything. And he commanded them to seek the welfare of the city for, and pray, on, uh, pray to God on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And the term city is polis. It's where we get the term politics. Uh, and that, uh, that mandate still exists for us today as Christians. A lot of times people say, well, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. So what in the world are we doing being involved in the civic sphere? Well, this is our responsibility and duty as uh, Christians. Uh, the Supreme Court in the 1950s, uh, you know, Justice Oral Warren, the Warren Court and others tried to redefine what separation of church and state meant. And oftentimes uh, people have carried on this myth that that means we get faith out of the public sphere. That is absolutely not at all uh, what that meant. And that is not at all what the history of this country has been about. Pastors were involved in the beginning, people of faith involved from the very beginning. And uh, it's the reason why we have freedom in this country uh, yeah. is because it was shaped by people of faith. Absolutely. And if you look at the activists on the left, they're motivated by their worldview, by their faith. Everyone worships something. Everyone has a worldview. I mean, they may worship self. They may, uh, you know, have a, a non-truth-based worldview. Um, they may have a skewed view of reality. But the leftists and the progressive, uh, so-called progressive culture, uh, they would be completely fine with the activists going in. But there's something that they try to distinguish when they say, well, people of faith, meaning evangelical Christians, right? Uh, only people right. who worship Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior were the only faith that they don't want to participate in the public square. But what they are, are actually, it's a, um, it's a self-defeating argument. When they say that there is a so-called separation of church and state, then by their own definition, they can't participate in the public square as activists because they're bringing their own faith-based perceptions, their own answers of the truth of reality, who they say God is, their, uh, their answers. And so we have to, as Christians, not be uh, reticent and just say, well, we're gonna keep this within the four corners of our church. We have to be engaged citizens and we have to bring the truth of the biblical worldview into the public square, into politics, into culture. And Ryan, as we're looking at the culture today, what do you see as the most critical areas that the church really needs to engage today? Well, I think first and foremost, we need to get our story straight. Uh, we as Christians are called to gather together, to meet together regularly. Uh, it, is, it is defined in the name church, the original term ecclesia, which means assembly. You can't have church on TV. You have to have church by being gathered. And so in order to be a church, you have to be gathered. 
Uh, that's important. Um, oftentimes there is uh, talk about, well, what are we supposed to do faithfully to love our neighbor? Should we stay quarantined and stay home? Stay, you know, that is that might be a temporary solution, but that is not to be a long-term thing. Uh, ultimately, the scripture said, "Do not forsake the gathering together," as some might have, uh, and so we have to recognize that that is our responsibility. Uh, secondarily. I think that one of the things that is missing today is courage and conviction in our story. So we have to recognize that we are called to proclaim the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ until he returns. And so we need to be bold in our public witness. In the cancel culture, the cancel mob has no ultimate authority. Public health officials, governors, and even those elected to the highest offices in the land, which include the President of the United States, have no authority. Uh, it, it might be one thing to say when you can meet to, to have a hot dog, uh, as, uh, as you might have heard in the news more recently, uh, but as the church, the, the, the elected officials, those in the public square, Caesar, has no authority to tell the church how it shall meet, when it should meet, or how often. Uh, and so I, I think part of what we signal to the world when we go about our business is that we actually believe the things that we say we believe in. And uh, that speaks louder than anything, is, is uh, our confidence in our message. And by the way, Jenna, I love um, when you say just the truth. It is something we must recognize that this truth ultimately be be belongs to God. It is not our truth. It is not somebody else's truth, but it's ultimately God's truth that governs us uh, and directs us in how uh, we shall live. So um, this Easter, uh, part of this gathering, remember just a year ago, uh, there were many churches that were not gathered on uh, Easter because it was just 15 days to slow the spread, and that overlapped with our most sacred of holidays. This year, I think many churches will be gathered and should be gathered. Absolutely. And uh, since that time, I have every Sunday put that hashtag, Church is Essential, it's Sunday. And what I mean by that is not Zoom church, is not just, you know, whatever uh, you think of as church. There is a reason that God ordained uh, the institution of the church for accountability, uh, to make sure that we are part of a local church in our community. I mean, the church used to be the epicenter of uh, of the community and people participated there and came and gathered and worshiped and, and understood in unity the recognition of truth. And so Ryan, um, when you're saying, you know, this is something that our culture today is seeing how easily that particular freedom, the right to gather together, to worship the Lord, to express and preach truth uh, has, has been just really drastically uh, infringed upon and reduced and I'm really discouraged at some of the pastors that have just ceded to that so quickly. And I think the challenge for pastors, if your church is not open, especially this Sunday, you might want to find one that understands their highest authority, that the head of the church is Jesus Christ himself, not Caesar, not the government, not Gavin Newsom, not, you know, anyone else, whoever your local governor happens to be, uh, not the Biden administration. And so what's your challenge to pastors who maybe uh, aren't really having courage here? in the last about minute that we have in this segment. 
Well, realize that it is not your church, Pastor. It is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You were called with a higher calling, and there is a higher authority that you must answer to. So my encouragement to you uh, is ultimately to recognize that you are under Christ's authority. Uh, don't go against what Christ commands. Uh, you have the freedom, you have the permission to be bold and reckless maybe by the standards of the world. But guess what? The gospel has always been risky. The gospel has always been reckless. We have been called to die to self, to take up our cross and to carry it daily. And that even includes taking leadership positions that are unpopular. And so this is not a hashtag reality. This is something that we can do without uh, consulting social media. We need to do the right thing as pastors of our local congregations. Great words. And we'll be right back with more uh, cultural engagement and why it's so important to carry the message of Good Friday, the truth of the resurrection into our culture. We'll be right back with more on Just the Truth. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Just the Truth here on Good Friday. And I'm continuing the conversation with Ryan Helfenbein, Executive Director of the Standing for Freedom Center at Liberty University. And Ryan, we're talking about the message uh, to pastors, the encouragement to pastors. Let's talk now about the cultural engagement right there at Liberty University uh, to the college age students who are just, uh, I think, bombarded with all of these different messages, with all of these different uh, so-called truths to say, you know, we'll just find your truth, find your identity, you know, find your participation mm. in the culture. Uh, what do you see as the greatest challenge for uh, young people today in accepting truth and why should uh, and how should we be engaged in reaching them? You know, I, I want to say I'm encouraged by many of the things that I am seeing in the next generation, that these are uh, young people who are concerned about truth and about justice. They are seeking to know answers. They do want to go deeper. Uh, they are tired of being condescended to. And I think one of the things that, uh, that we have to do a better job of, older generation, parents, uh, I have three kids, is to recognize that truths go a lot deeper and a lot younger in age. And so the, the idea of protecting young people from heavy hitting and hard hitting things is actually not, uh, in many ways, is, is not giving them a leg up on life, it's actually holding them back. And so young people, uh, want to go deeper. They want to know the truth. I think the the one challenge that we're seeing more and more is this kind of theological, Jenna, this word theological, but biblical minimalism, uh, really, uh, where there is just not a lot of depth. Uh, we're, we're just an inch deep, but a mile wide, oftentimes, in many 
gathered uh, settings uh, across the country in churches and parachurch ministries, but we can go much, much deeper. And so oftentimes young people come to me with some hard questions, questions about the origins of life, questions about the problem of evil, questions about sexuality and identity. These types of questions we have to be prepared for and prepare the next generation for. We cannot do it by being minimalist. We cannot do it by being surface. We do have to go deeper. So that is our challenge, and that's going to take courage and conviction as well. And so what a great opportunity on Good Friday to renew our commitments to the proclamation of the gospel, the word, the things that are essential, uh, both uh, the, the gathered church, but the essential of the resurrection, uh, but then recognizing that all of those things make the other heavy truths not near as heavy and uh, it gives emboldens us to speak to those as well. Yeah, absolutely. And this uh, goes back to what we were ta just talking about with the church being bold to teach truth. And then that goes back to then having a culture and a society and a government that protects and encourages our right and liberty as Christians in our churches to speak truth and to engage those questions and conversations. I mean, when you look at uh, what's being labeled today as hate speech, or you look at the cancel culture and you look at the intimidation tactics that are being driven by our society today and now by uh, the Biden administration and some of the, um, you know, the woke, uh, you know, some of the tech oligarchs of saying, you're gonna be canceled, your account's gonna be suspended if you say, truth um, that's not their preferred uh, false lie, then that's where this intersection of why Christians have to be engaged in culture uh, really has this effect and, and is so important that we have influence because if we want to continue to provide those answers, if we want to continue to encourage our pastors to be bold in speaking truth from the pulpit, of course, can they do that under persecution? Absolutely. Can they do that regardless of the context of the culture? Yes, that's been tested throughout church history, but we need to have the best opportunity to present truth without fear of that kind of intimidation so that we can continue to have that boldness. And so when we talk about religious liberty, Ryan, um, when we talk about why that's so important to engage in when we look at the culture, uh, why is religious freedom one of these things that we consistently talk about and we consistently want to protect and preserve? I think it. I think that's a great question. I think that has everything to do with the ability then to share truth and to give information. Uh, the, the church has always been the hub of learning. Wherever you see an established church throughout history, there have been schools. Uh, many religious institutions were educational institutions. Our educational institutions were religious institutions, rather. The, the, the education uh, institutions of higher learning, the Ivy League, uh, these were all divinity schools. Wherever you see uh, the advancement uh, of the gospel and, and the planting and starting and building up of churches, you also see an advancement in education and in freedom. And so uh, literacy, for example, teaching people how to read, uh, the, the first reason for that uh, throughout history had been to read the Word of God, to understand the Bible, and to understand it for yourself in your own language. That was the reason why uh, Harvard and uh, Princeton and Yale, that's why they existed, uh, is in order to train up pastors for that purpose. 
Um, but wherever the church, wherever there is religious freedom, there is also truth. Uh, we want a free press in this country that helps to keep the powers that be in check. But sometimes when the climate is such that there is no freedom of press, like in Soviet Russia, it was left then to religious institutions to speak up against unjust injustices that were in society. And so you have to have a bold church for that. Um, Jesus said to his apostles, you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. John wrote in 1 John, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Cancel culture thrives on misinformation, on lies. It also thrives on fear. And the gospel speaks to both of those. And pastors, first and foremost, ought to be those who are not fearful and also are those who speak the truth. Absolutely. And this is something about our, our founding. And so many people would say, well, you're just saying that America first means that, uh, you know, we or a Christian nation, you know, means that we are just uh, these these patriotic apologists and we're really worshiping America instead of worshiping mm -hmm. truth. What would you say to those pastors? Yeah, so that's, uh, I think that's an argument largely from ignorance. Uh, certainly, we have had poor examples that we have seen of people who might not fully understand uh, America's founding. But large part, it was far more religious uh, than secularists will tell you. And I would say in the past 50 years, most Christians, including pastors, have been taught about secularists, about how to think about America and America's founding. There are other, certainly other Christian nations and nations in which Christianity have had influence and influence on religious liberty. We would not have the United States of America without our cousins over in uh, Great Britain. Uh, we came out of that. Our Bill of Rights came from the English Bill of Rights. Our understanding of the limits that are placed on kings comes from the Magna Carta, that great document that came in 1215. Uh, and so our legal tradition comes from all of that. It is certainly not that America is the only Christian nation or the only nation that was shaped by Christianity. But its uniqueness is this, that we were the, one of the, we were the first government to be established by the people, not the divine right of kings, but ultimately an elected uh, uh, representative uh, government, a, uh, a uh, democratic republic, not a constitutional monarch. And yes, so that was and, our and uniqueness. And on that, we're going to take one more break, and we'll be right back to talk about more this Good Friday on Just the Truth. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to Just the Truth here on Good Friday, and I've been talking to my good friend Ryan Helfenbein, who is the Executive Director of the Standing for Freedom Center at Liberty University. And Ryan, we've uh, been talking about this concept that there is no freedom apart from the resurrection of Christ and the truth of that historical event. And so we've talked about 
uh, why that matters to us personally as individuals, why that matters to culture, society, why that matters that we're engaged in a local church, why it matters that the church has freedom in society to teach truth, why it matters that we as Christians not only accept the truth of the reality to which we're presented, accept the truth of the Bible, uh, become saved, but then also that we are engaged influential Christians. And so the Standing for Freedom Center at Liberty University, which I'm so grateful to be a part of as well, uh, that's really the core of the mission is to bring truth to culture. So uh, where can people find the Standing for Freedom Center at Liberty? How can uh, they, maybe some young people are watching this, they wanna be engaged as ambassadors. Uh, talk to me about the Standing for Freedom Center. Wonderful. Well, I would just say that um, just as you have articulated that uh, ultimately downstream uh, from culture is politics. Uh, in order to change culture, you need something more powerful than politics. Politics cannot shape or change culture. Certainly can try to artificially, but it doesn't ultimately accomplish that. Ultimately, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that does so. It transforms all of society. The Standing for Freedom Center exists in a very hostile and antagonistic age to defend life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth to preserve those freedoms for the next generation. That's why we exist. And so we're here for pastors who might feel homeless from their denominations that uh, might uh, have gone woke to social justice. Uh, we uh, exist for the next generation students that are battling these things on their campus. Uh, they may want to make a huge difference in the world. And we're also here to influence policymakers, those who are at the state and the federal level, to offer whatever assistance we can and to resource people with some information. Uh, so standingforfreedom.com is the website, standingforfreedom.com. And we, uh, we talk a lot there about these issues, whether it be marriage and family, the pro-life uh, ethic, uh, as it pertains first and foremost to the womb and to the mother in crisis. Uh, we talk about other issues, too, that are of concern to everyone, like uh, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, uh, and our Second Amendment right to bear arms. Uh, believe it or not, there is an ethic for Christians on why socialism is evil, and we need to recognize that as well, but to have a robust biblical defense, first of all, behind the ethic of personal responsibility and private property rights. Uh, but there are a lot of things that you could talk about. The other thing is uh, the heavy hand of legislation, the things that we are anticipating, whether it be uh, the passage of H.R. 5 uh, or even H.R. 1 that's going to affect uh, election integrity. These are things that are of concerns to people of faith, and we need to make sure that we are speaking into that and equipping pastors and people in churches, young people, uh, and uh, even policymakers of how to think about that and how to approach those topics faithfully. Yes, and we, that's the truth of the biblical worldview is it's not that we are uh, bringing faith to culture in the sense that we are pushing our morality on others. I mean, that's kind of the pushback from the left, right? Like, why are you forcing mm -hmm. your morality on me? But every aspect of what we do and what we legitimize in society, our laws, all of that comes from a place of what does society recognize as truth, as, uh, as moral, as immoral, what we say is criminal versus acceptable behavior. I mean, all of these things come from a question of what is true, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, 
what is evil, what is immoral. And so everyone mm. is influencing culture when, whenever they go into the public square and in legislation. And so, uh, so I want to dispel that myth with you, Ryan, about, about uh, mm. this just being, you know, faith that is now uh, coming into the culture. This is something that we should be doing without even questioning that. And this is why I think the Standing for Freedom Center is so important to have these cultural influencers, because if we don't influence the culture with church, uh, with the truth, then mm. that's going to come from a secular wrong worldview. Yeah, one of the biggest mistakes we ever made, Jenna, is the church abandoned Hollywood a long time ago. Uh, we abandoned and we pulled out of other places. And I think because of that, I think there's this alienation uh, where you almost have this sense of two Americas, uh, people who literally don't understand people of faith and people of faith who um, don't really believe or, or may be frightened by this idea of, of pluralism. The old liberal experiment was this idea of freedom that we have to share a common space, that we're not all going to agree with each other, but we have to agree about the, the essentials of freedom in this country. That, that was the old liberal experiment of, of freedom. And I don't mean liberal in terms of leftist. That is, a, that is authoritarianism. That is the kind of things that you're seeing that are threatening freedom as you know it. And uh, so we, as Christians who are called to proclaim the truth of God's word, we recognize that there's a soul freedom as well. We're not, we're not promoting a theocratic uh, sense of, of governance. Uh, we, we haven't really from the beginning. Uh, we recognize where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. So uh, in order to have this American experiment, in order to appreciate that, we have to recognize that our freedom ultimately does come from God. And everything yes. we've been talking about, yeah, so the resurrection, it, it all ties together. Yes, it does. And Ryan, thank you so much for joining me on this Good Friday to talk about the truth of the resurrection, why that's so important. And without the truth of the resurrection, we wouldn't have freedom. So go to the Standing for Freedom Center website, uh, get engaged. You can be a youth ambassador. Um, you can engage with us in influencing the culture. And I'm really appreciative of Ryan. So now let's go to Just the Word. John 3, 16 through 18 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This is the truth that we have hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is what we will be celebrating this Sunday. And I hope that you've been encouraged and will celebrate with us the truth of the Bible. We'll be back on Monday here on Just the Truth.